can I get any unluck here? It's like someone cursing me or what? Like I, my business partner is leaving me, my girlfriend is leaving me. Now I don't even have the basic footage. I was so upset, and when I told my friends, everyone was like enraged. You know, like, how can this happen? And um, they string me along with the hope of recovery for like over six months. The entire year, they're like, "Oh no, no, we'll we'll help you get the footage. We'll do this. We'll do that. We'll do this. We'll do that." And they didn't manage to recover the footage. They said, "Okay, we can't recover the footage for you, but we can, you know, record some of your other events and stuff like that." So it was a lost cause, lah. Right? I three months after the thing, I get the footage. What's the point? My book launch was in March. <laughs> Talking about it in in June or July, it doesn't make any sense, right? That year is already gone. That 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 window is gone. So uh, it was very frustrating. I still get nightmares about you know thinking about that that moment in life when when the footage was lost. Welcome to Screwed Up Moments, the podcast where it's okay to fail and it's okay to try again. I'm your host, Danny. There is a famous adage in the English language known as Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. It is often used to describe scenarios where various manners of misfortune, mishaps, misfirings, failures, and yes, screw-ups happen to converge at the point just when it seems to matter the most. Maybe your bus comes late on the day when you have a crucial exam. Maybe you spill coffee on your white shirt right before an important sales meeting. Or maybe you were careless and accidentally sent a raunchy email to your boss instead of your spouse. I mean, things like this obviously happen. And hopefully, we just mostly bear with it and move on, either gnawing our teeth in frustration at our slice of bad luck, or sharing it as a bit of self-deprecating humor to our friends. But what happens when the mishaps don't seem to stop? When Murphy's Law digs in and refuses to let go, how would you respond then? And what, if anything, could you even do to try and move on? In this episode of the Screwed Up Moments podcast, our guest shares a story about just such an instance of Murphy's Law, a story where anything that could have gone wrong did actually go wrong, but never seemed to stop. Hi, my name is Vivek, and this is my Screwed Up Moment. I was born in India, born in Kerala, and uh, my parents basically they shifted in 1990. My father found a job here, so we shifted. So I, I pretty much grew up as an expat in Singapore, but I talk like a Singaporean, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because uh, I I've always been in the local schools. I went through the full PSLE streaming in secondary two. I yeah, went yeah. through <laughs> O levels, A levels. I went to NS as well. Yeah. And even then, I was like, oh, I'm not sure what my future going to be like. Only around 2013, when I really wanted to start traveling, uh, that I decided, no, look, if I want to travel with the Indian passport, it's like it's horrible. It's everywhere I have to go. I have to get a. <laughs> I've got to get a visa, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's such a pain, and I'm just spending money on visas more than I am on the holiday, right? Yeah. So 
there was this one incident that made me trigger and say, look, I'm going to get a Singaporean passport. Uh, <laughs> no point, I've been here. I'm not going to shift anywhere. I'm just lying to myself. <laughs> I'm going to settle down anywhere else. I'm so comfortable here anyway. Yeah. I love this place. Uh, so uh, yeah, that that's pretty much about me and my uh, <laughs> life. And uh, could you also talk a little bit about what you do professionally these days? Right. So these days, I'm a virtual speaker where I speak about the millennial generation. I talk about the young generation that believes in having a different lifestyle from their parents, uh, the baby boomers, and even the elders, the Gen Xers. I'm like the bridge. The millennial whisperer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I thought of that title before. <laughs> yes, but it feels so... Uh, I didn't click a little, bit with me. Te- a little bit techy. So yeah, a bit techy. So uh, I just went with specialist. So I started out with understanding why this generation wants things differently. Like I, I know I wanted it, but I thought I was the only one who wanted a different lifestyle. But turns out that the entire generation sees beyond the nine to five, mm. right? We don't believe in a lifestyle where you just earn, 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 and then live your life after retirement, mm. which um, was my philosophy. But after seeing my friends job hop, after you know seeing a lot of my friends uh, comparing themselves with their peers who are doing well in startups right and after I see a lot of these articles as well I realise that it's not just me it's a few of us who want to go into entrepreneurship who want to have a side gig who want to have a side hustle who want to earn multiple sources of income who want to do many things not just stick to one right Uh, and really express ourselves Are you happy along the way when you're doing what you're doing are you smiling on your way to work right and uh, I realise that a lot of us, we want that kind of dream, but it seems like a pipe dream for a lot of us because, uh, of course, our older generation, our parents, in those days, like if you are an entrepreneur, it's because you, you fell out of school. You have no other options. You don't yeah. have a degree to <laughs> there was qualify a, yourself. There was a stigma against it last yeah. time, right? Now, <laughs> yeah. now it's like the cool, trendy thing. It's still thing there. Like if you want to be a citizen, right, uh, they will still look at your qualifications. Are you uh, working? Right, right, All right. All of these things still exist, but uh, it's slowly fading away, or we are at least moving towards a place where your career doesn't define you as an individual completely. So that's a bit of background about our guest Vivek, the quote-unquote millennial whisperer who is passionate about helping people break away from traditional norms surrounding how we work and how we develop our careers. It shouldn't surprise you then that the stuff he talks about is intimately linked to his own life story. But before we can get to that, we first need to discuss what he was doing before. During my university, I was studying psychology, right? I uh, had this opportunity to work part-time and I was uh, working part-time for a company. Uh, not one, but many companies, in fact, because we are like freelancers. Mm. So we freelance in different companies. All we have to do is go to the school, uh, deliver the training program, and then we get paid. Okay. Right. So I, I realized that, you know, I've, I've been doing that even like after army, before university. So I thought, when I'm going to do uni, I'm going to do it part-time because I love the flexibility it gave me for my schedule. So I did that. And when I graduated, I decided I wanted to continue doing that. Even from his younger days, you could already see the kind of qualities that Vivek prioritizes in a career. And following his graduation, he decided to turn his part-time gig as a school workshop facilitator into a full-time job. The only thing was, he would soon find out that the real world wasn't as rosy as he had hoped it would be. 
So I went out thinking that, you know, as a trainer, I can go in and uh, I can still deliver programs. Then I, I saw a totally different world, right? Which is um, you need to learn how to create proposals. You need to learn how to speak to teachers. You need to understand what they really want from, you know, you uh, You have to understand how to manage freelancers under your company, uh, you know. So there was a lot of hats that I had to wear. And it was a struggle to even understand where to start and, you know, how to bring this all into like a proper business. But despite his early struggles with trying to juggle so many different responsibilities, Vivek would get the hang of things after about a year or two and start to steadily manage his business. However, there was still something that he just couldn't quite get used to, which is precisely the idea that he had to wear so many different hats. One thing that didn't change was the fact that I would always find myself uh, proposing for a project, so I'm doing the sales, and at the same time also doing delivery. That's what I actually signed up for, to just do a lot of training, coaching, empowerment, right? So, uh, but I found myself, like, I had to focus more on the sales so that I could do more training. And that kind of led to, like, a seesaw effect. Like, I'm doing sales one day, and then the next day I'm doing training. So that up and down, back and forth, I I actually found myself, like, um, burning out. Initially, it was... um, happy feeling because I'm getting sales. But then I realized I'm also doing operations and I'm handling this. I'm, I'm like doing everything at the same time, right? So it, it felt like, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of work, like way more than a full-timer, <laughs> right? But I'm not getting paid as much as what my peers would be if they were in a full-time job. The key thing that I realized was, um, you know, it's not something that was scalable. It's not something where I can do without my time being involved. And that kind of um, frustration that I went through, right? Because I was doing this, I was doing that, I was doing this, I was doing that. And also, part of it is not knowing what to do. Sometimes you, you're involved in activity, but doesn't mean it's productive. So I was doing the wrong things as well, trying to focus on building websites or, you know, trying to focus on, on branding, which at that point in time, I didn't know what I was doing. So a lot of finding myself through the darkness, one of the biggest struggles I had was, why would we choose you? What's so unique about you and your company that differentiates you from everyone else? And that's something I struggled with. Like, I had no answer. Like, oh, I don't know. How, how, how unique can leadership be? Yeah. That was the question that I had, right? Because at the end of the day, you're going to talk about mindset, you're going to talk about skills, you're going to talk about communication. Right? So how unique can you be as a leadership expert? So mm. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what separated me from the rest. Uh, I was already very young. I was like, what, 23, 20, maybe 25 when I started out. And uh, all of this compounded together made me feel like, you know, I was really in the dark. And even though I was making like uh, projects, I couldn't scale myself, right? Like I can only do manage one project at a time. So that was a problem there, right? So all of these problems kind of uh, pushed me towards a, a sense of frustration, burnout. I feel like I'm working, working 200 times and getting paid very little yeah. for that. So, so yeah, that was the, the, the kind of, I, I loved what I did. It's just that I didn't know how to how to maximize all the effort I was doing in terms of monetarily, in terms of uh, time. Yeah. 
I think anyone out there who has ever ventured to start their own business can sort of sympathize with Vivek's struggles. You start out with this naive idea that you can just go out and get paid to do what you love, only to discover that there's so much more involved in order to run a successful business, and more importantly, a sustainable one as well. And after juggling himself back and forth on the seesaw for several years, Vivek decided that enough was enough, and it was time for a change. So uh, one of those days where I think it was 2015, mm. I was just talking to my friend. I'm saying, you know, I was just sharing all these problems and saying, look, we've been doing this for what, two to three years now, but we cannot, we are not scaling, right? Mm. At the level that I would love to scale. And uh, what can we do to, you know, overcome that? And he happened to pass me a book. It's called The Key Person of Influence that actually shared with me how you can, you know, raise your credibility, how you can literally uh, become someone who is known in your industry for a certain specific thing. And in that, uh, it talked about pitch, right? And one of the key things about pitch is to not focus on everything and anything, but a specific thing. And given what Vivek has already mentioned earlier, I think you can already guess what this specific thing might be. Long story short, I realized, you know, I was standing on a mountain of value. And my mountain of value was that I've been doing coaching for these youths since 2007. I really related to a lot of them. I really loved uh, empowering them. So, yeah, that kind of uh, inspired me to... Then, uh, oh, in the book, uh, he also mentions that, you know, you are who Google says you are, right? So have you developed assets that tell the, the world who you are, mm. right? And do you have blogs? Have you written, have you published anything? Have you put out content like in the form of video or podcasts? Right? All of these things are important digital assets because we are moving into a digital world, yeah, right? And uh, at that point in time, I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't, I didn't do any kind of content marketing at that time. I just did proposals and <laughs> did, did pro uh, projects in school. That was business. So that kind of inspired me to, you know, move from uh, focusing on millennials and start publishing content on millennials. In other words, what Vivek is about to describe here is a bit of, shall we say, modern history. The birth of the quote-unquote millennial whisperer. So I started interviewing my friends, uh, understanding, you know, like what inspired you to take up this job? Is this what you're really passionate about? What are the struggles you're having? You know, uh, and then I came across this common theme, which was the quarter life crisis. Hmm. Yeah, the quarter life crisis was uh, the reason why I wanted to uh, write the book as well, because I felt like it's not as commonly talked about. A lot of people know about midlife crisis and that's where you do a job for a long time. You're in your mid 30s, mid 40s. And then you're like, ah, why am I doing this? And you buy a sports car. <laughs> you buy a red, hot, <laughs> flashy sports car. Yeah. Right? And then uh, you quit your job. Yeah. And then you do whatever you want. right? So that's when people realize, oh, this guy is going through a crisis. Identity crisis. And essentially, that is what a lot of uh, the youths are going through as well. But at an earlier stage. You studied very hard for that engineering degree or that doctorate. And then you join the workforce and you realize, this is not what I really signed up for. This is not what I really wanted in life. I want to do something else. But then, you don't know what you really want. Like, what am I really good at? What strengths do I have? Uh, how can I earn money if I'm not using my paper certificate? I feel like there's a overarching, very meta-level kind of thing going on with your story right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of like, you know, you're talking about writing a book on these stuff like Ikigai and the quarter-life crisis. 
But at that point in time, you were going through these things, trying to figure out these things for yourself as well. Yeah. And then you describe a little bit of the process. You were going around interviewing your friends, asking about their issues. Could you tell us a little bit more about the behind the scenes in terms of like the book writing process? Were you did you already stop doing the the workshop thing full time? You switched to doing this full time already. You know, was it like a big risk for you making this switch? No, so I had to write the book while I was still doing the school programs, mm. right? And I I was kind of like managing uh, these two things at the same time, right? Mm. And uh, it wasn't easy because I I also went through a lot of struggles while I was writing the first book because I was like, uh, am I a bit too young <laughs> or not yet successful? I, I had that imposter syndrome, <laughs> right, uh, th- with me throughout. But I eventually got it done slowly. But surely I got it done. I, I delayed. And then you know, right? I told you about that over the call. How everything just because the book was kind of like the the way to move into a totally different industry, like the corporates, right? And um, or the universities and the polytechnics. But uh, it didn't pan out the way I expected it to. Yeah. Before we move on to the next part, let's just do a brief recap. Vivek had been running a school program facilitator business for several years. He was feeling burnt out from having to seesaw between so many different responsibilities, and he figured an exit strategy that involved carving out his new digital identity of the millennial specialist. As part of this strategy, he spends a ton of time and effort interviewing his friends about their issues, chances upon this phenomenon of the quarter-life crisis, and then begins writing his book even before making the full transition. At this point, the stakes have been set, Vivek is ready to unleash the millennial whisperer onto the world, and then Murphy's Law happens. So, as you mentioned to me in the call, at a crucial moment in this crossroads in your life, your business partner bailed on you. Yeah. So could you tell us <laughs> could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so when we started out, we started out uh, doing school programs and um, as I went through this burnout phase and all of that and I started writing the book, we already had our like uh, distancing, a little bit of distancing because I was focusing completely on a very niche subject that he wasn't really so interested in. And at the same time, he also started looking for other avenues and he's... His background was in travel. Mm. He used to do a lot of travel uh, agency kind of work. And he had an opportunity to take over a company. Close to my book launch, I think that year, 2017, he decided that I'm going to do this full time. Right? I mean, because now you're not going to be doing school programs so much more after you release the book. Totally was not expecting that because I thought, you know, we'll have the schools uh, running on the site and we'll have, the, you know, the, maybe the corporate programs running on the site, all under the same company. So I was, like, very confused about the direction altogether when, uh, you know, he decided to move into a different space. Yeah. yeah. So then, at this point, right, what was going through your mind uh, when all this was going on? How did you react to this? Well, um, a lot of confusion, a lot of... Um, but there was no unhappiness. We, 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 were, we are still good friends. In fact, he's one of my best friends even till today. It's just that when it comes to working together as a business partners, we need to 
carve out our roles very mm. specifically. We mm. need to know what you're going to do, what I'm going to do. So if I'm going to be doing all this marketing and branding stuff, then what are you going to do, right? So all of those things came into question. So he he wasn't really interested in doing any kind of work on that subject, the millennial subject, or at least he didn't convey anything. But he was very excited about travel. Mm. So I felt like it was a good thing that he also found something that he's really interested in. And uh, I said, like, yeah, if travel is what you want, then go for that. Okay, so that wasn't so bad, right? Just a sort of amicable diverging of professional interests. I mean, yeah, he didn't have the support of his business partner anymore, but didn't sound like he was all too bothered by it on the whole. Certainly something that he can easily move on from. But if you recall what we mentioned in the episode introduction, Murphy's Law wasn't going away just yet. It's funny that you mentioned how it wasn't a bad breakup. Yeah. Because um, what made it worse for you, at least, in your own situation, was that aside from the whole thing going on with your business partner, you also had some thing going on with your <laughs> yeah. own personal life as yep. well, with your girlfriend at the time. Yeah. So could you tell us more about that? So, uh, yeah, I was with my girlfriend for about almost three years at that point. And we were going pretty strong, you know. And uh, somehow or the other, towards the end phase of the book... I became really busy because in December, I think 2016, December, we took a really good holiday. Mm. And then after that, I decided, okay, I want to launch my book in February of 2017. Mm. Right? Start the year really fast. I said, I'm going to take some time off and uh, just focus on this. So I won't be able to meet you so much. I already spent like the holiday with you and stuff. <laughs> uh, but it didn't happen. To <laughs> it didn't pan out the way I expected it to. So it kind of backfired because... I was very focused on the project. I'm, very, I'm a very task-based person. For her, she's more like a very feelings person. So she felt like, how could you just distance yourself like that, right? You know, so, and she felt like maybe moving forward, if this is how we're going to be prioritizing our decisions, maybe we are not the best fit for one another. And that also came like a, that was a huge shock mm. uh, for me because... I thought, you know, after the book launch, we can resume our normal frequency of meeting each other and all of that. But it kind of affected her in a way that she couldn't ignore it anymore. This one definitely stung a bit more for Vivek. But given how much he has staked into this project, you already know that he wasn't going to let a breakup stop him. Even though I really loved my ex-girlfriend and, you know, it was a great relationship, I decided to focus on my own career. This is like been the moment I've been planning for since 2015. I've been doing the research, writing the book. It's not easy. It's like a, it's a long journey, right? And the fruits of your labor are all kind of like hinges on this book launch. She couldn't see that part of it or I felt like she couldn't see it. And I was like, if you can't see this as a win for you, then we probably shouldn't be together as well. So that was uh, that was a bit of pain, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, that came with the book launch. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about uh, you know, what were you going through at that time when you had that breakup? Because this is like a critical point where now it's like okay, now you got to harvest it yeah. so they can come to roost, right? But at this moment, you have all these other stuff happening with like your business partner diverging, and then now you have this breakup. It must have been like incredibly stressful and uh, yeah, anxiety filled at the time. Yeah, I I mean, one thing was to not think about it, right? So when you're going through the background, you're trying not to think about what the other person is doing, what the person is thinking, where yeah. is she, all of that, yeah. right? That's one part of it. And then the other part of it is I have to focus on the task at hand, right? So it, that was uh, pretty hard. Uh, every time I stop working, my thoughts will flood back to us. And then I realized there's this gap there's this space 
there's this void in my life, right, which has not been filled up. And so Vivek trudged himself forward, brokenhearted, alone, but determined to finally reap the fruits of his labor. And then, towards the end of his long and painful journey, Murphy's Law pays him another visit. And so you continue with the plan to launch the book and everything, but you hit another stumbling block. Another one, yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) With one of your vendors who was helping you with the launch. So tell tell us what happened there. So the book launch is supposed to be your gateway to get people to pay attention to you. So I, I engaged an agency to promote it on social media, to get people to come down for the launch, uh, to find media. That was one of the key things I wanted, to get featured on media from mm. the book launch because mm. that would give me a sense of authority. Like if you are featured on Channel News Asia, if you're featured on uh, you know different kinds of news channels nationally or internationally, right? Yeah. So, um I had people to come and capture the entire thing. So on top of the social media agency I had, I also had a videography uh, group come in to record the entire thing, take my interview, you know, interview the guests, create marketing material, which I can then use on my website, all of that. Mm. In fact, you know, I, I have a DSLR camera, right? I have friends with DSLR cameras. We all love traveling, so we buy this equipment, right? A GoPro, all of that. I told them, hey, no need to bring. I've already settled it. I got it. I got the best team. I've invested everything in it. Yeah. It'll turn out wonderful. Yeah. Right? So um so you gotta understand, right? The book is an investment. The time is an investment. The social media agency is an investment. The food, the venue, all of those things, the videography is the one that is supposed to like help me to propel. It's like the rocket fuel. Right? So that marketing material was crucial. So I really, really was depending on that footage. And guess what happened? The social media agency was good. They helped me. They pitched me. They got me onto Channel News Asia. But the video... So when they were asking me for the material, hey, can we have the material from the videography and the photography group? Right? I kept chasing them. So they were like, oh, it's still processing, still processing, still processing. So March was my launch, 28th March, 2017. Mid-April, I still haven't gotten the footage yet. I'm like, what's happening? So the boss comes up to me and says, sir, there's been a problem. He tells me that while they were transferring the footage, they had an electricity cut and now the hard disk is spoiled and we've lost all your footage. (laughs) Tell us what was going through your head a lot of expletives <laughs> right I was like I couldn't believe it like can I get any unluck here it's like someone cursing me or what like I, my business partner is leaving me my girlfriend is leaving me now I don't even have the basic footage right? I was so upset and when I told my friends everyone was like enraged you know how can this happen and um, you know uh, the person who I engaged for as my publisher right, he said immediately go and do a small claims get the money back but this guy he's like uh, he's a he's a common friend so because he's a common friend I respected my other friend he I say okay maybe I don't do small claims let's see if they can do some kind of recovery so they they string me along with the hope of recovery for like over six months hmm. the entire year they're like oh no no we'll, we'll help you get the footage we'll do this we'll do that we'll do this we'll do that and you know back and forth back and forth um, they 
didn't manage to recover the footage. They said, okay, we can't recover the footage for you, but we can, you know, record some of your other events and stuff like that. So it was a lost cause, lah, right? I three months after the thing, I get the footage. What's the point? My book launch was in March. <laughs> Talking about it in in June or July, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. That year is already gone. That 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 window is gone. So uh, it was very frustrating. I still get nightmares about you know thinking about that that moment <laughs> in life when when the footage was lost, and uh, and I should have done so much more back then. But yeah. I was in this mess already. Couldn't focus. Didn't know what was happening, and uh, you know, I just realized that life is really shaky right now. So I just need to focus on one thing: the outcome that I want, and. Um, Because there's so many things going on, I didn't know what to do. I said, okay, I need to get onto media to make all of these things digestible or bearable at least. I need to get something out of it, right? Uh, so, thank God, somehow I, I prayed, I, I focused, I, you know, did all the law of attraction stuff. <laughs> Everything just focused on let me get onto media. So, somehow or the other, that thing happened. So I was like a little bit more. Calmer. I I felt like okay, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't all for nothing. I used to think that my time is not right. So in the Indian culture, right, we have this thing called the uh, what do you call it? Uh, astrology. My parents were looking into why all these negative things happening, and then they found out from the astrologer that this is a very bad time for me. This phase, hmm. and you're going through a very bad phase. You'll go through a lot of struggles. You'll go through a career shift. I took it as okay, maybe it's just a rough period. You know, things will get better. It's not the end of the world. And um, I just literally said, you know, I'm too invested now. I can't look back. I can't go back to doing school projects because <laughs> I've already invested too much in that. And I also cannot, you know, give up halfway. Because where do I go after that? I realize that this is just things that you got to take it in your stride, right? You have to take these failures and setbacks and obstacles in your stride, and um, take it as a part of the lessons learned in your life, yeah. right? And uh, just keep moving forward, right? Um, yeah. There's no other way to change what has happened, but there is a way to change your mindset about what has happened. So, even though it was a mess, it was horrible. Uh, the entire year, I was depressed. Even though I was celebrated as an author, I, I was like numb throughout the year. Even though there were a lot of events happening, right? Work was happening uh, better, but I wasn't happy as an individual because I was still recovering and going through grief, right? Uh, so it was only until I went to Myanmar uh, that day I, I decided enough of uh, moping around, right? And you know, uh, feeling sad and sorry and pity for myself, right? Uh, let me. Just give myself some space to recover, right? So I so I stopped working in November. I decided to go on a solo trip, and that was kind of the point where I felt more alive again. As we near the end of this episode, I want to reflect a little bit on the journey that Vivek has taken. While you could certainly view his story as just a series of instances of Murphy's Law, I think I'm starting to get a sense of the bigger picture at play. 
You see, there are many concurrent themes going on here, from the quarter-life crisis to entrepreneurship to obsession to stubbornness or even the consequences of pursuing a goal at all costs. And even though Vivek was eventually able to attain what he had set out to accomplish, the picture he painted at the end was certainly far from being a purely triumphant one. Reality, as it happens, tends to be quite complicated. And for all the sacrifices and struggles that Vivek endured, one can only wonder if it was entirely all worth it. Now by saying this, I do not hope to discourage anyone from trying to pursue their dreams, and I certainly do not wish to downplay the efforts that Vivek himself put in to achieve his goal. It's just that I can't help but at least consider his story as some form of cautionary tale. As many of you might already know, success is often portrayed in much too positive a light. And in presenting Vivek's achievements here, I hope to at least give the failures and the consequences its fair share of the spotlight. Winning at all costs isn't as valiant a mantra as it sounds. And winning doesn't always look like winning when you have to lose everything along the way. Understand, therefore, what it is that you're getting yourself into and most importantly, what you will be willing to lose. Because at the end of the day, those things will matter much, much more than you think. So it was, uh, I knew that this year is, it'll take me time to recover from the breakups. For a while, I wasn't talking very much with my friend. Breakup means I didn't talk much with my ex as well. And I was pretty alone and lonely during that period of time. Other than work, which I was doing, I literally didn't know what else to focus on. Hmm. Right, So I just went back to work, 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 work. And work was now my escape. It was not a need anymore, but my escape to cope. I was coping with all of this by working more and more. So it kind of um, made me forget about stuff. But after you switch off your computer, you go to sleep, all these things keep flooding back into your mind. Yeah. Right? They come back to you, they haunt you for a while, and then you go to sleep. And in Vivek's case, it took him until an end-of-the-year trip to Myanmar to fully settle down and heal his wounds. Such was the grief and the loss that he had endured on his path to success. Only then was he able to properly look back and reflect on this certainly colourful chapter of his life. 2017 was definitely a year of pain, but it also felt like a year of coming out of my comfort zone. Right, I, I was literally pulled out of what I used to do. So I felt like I was stretched in all directions, right? Uh, the good way and the bad way. I was literally stretched out. And um, if I were to look back at this year, right, I would say that it kind of molded me into a stronger person. I learned to deal and cope with negative events. Mm. I learned um, how to set expectations, how to prevent myself from uh, disappointments. Um, so I, it was a huge year for me in terms of learning. But of course, there's also this uh, resentment that, you know, things could have been better. What if I didn't say it this way? What if I said it that way? Would she still break up with me? What if, you know, um, I had discussed in more detail with my business partner, maybe we would have been doing something else together right now, mm. right? Uh, there's a lot of what ifs, but I think along the way, I also realized that I'm wasting my time thinking about all of that because you're trying to fantasize a better reality which is not going to happen 
and it's going to actually make you more depressed <laughs> right so along the way i realized that i just got to move on like you just got to move in the direction that you feel is the best for you yeah and uh, whatever has happened has happened uh, you just take it in your stride life will get shaky there will be times where you don't know what's happening when things keep going wrong over and over again sequentially right <laughs> right but um the whole point is to is to focus on your outcome right why did you even start this in the first place uh, what is the outcome that i want what do i really want right and uh, the the clear answer for me was to have a better lifestyle to earn more to be better branded so literally i guess in short to have a stronger career that was the only question that i focused on uh, i didn't focus on what ifs i didn't focus on uh, you know why me i went through that phase but what i kept going back to is what's my outcome what do i really want to achieve and i think everyone else if you're going through some kind of problem the key question is not to ask yourself uh, why me or you know uh, what ifs but rather focus on what do i really want to achieve what's the outcome that i want and then bring yourself to do actions that are directionally correct in that way And so with that brings the end to this episode of the Screwed Up Moments podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and much thanks to Vivek for sharing his incredible story. If you're curious to learn more about him, I'll be leaving links to Vivek's social media pages in the episode description. Do check them out. With that being said, the Screwed Up Moments podcast was produced and edited by me, Danny Cordy, on behalf of Fable Productions. Episode music was sourced from Budot Sessions and the theme song was composed by Rico Low. If you enjoyed listening to the Screwed Up Moments podcast, you can help out the show by sharing it amongst your friends or by subscribing and leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Otherwise, if you have any questions, suggestions, feedback, or if you have your own Screwed Up Moments story to share, you can drop us a message through the email dkoordi at fableproductions.com. Once again, this has been your host Danny for the Screwed Up Moments podcast, reminding you that it is okay to fail and it is okay to try again. Thank you for listening.